Hey, listener, welcome to About Movie Time. I am one of your hosts, Ty, here with my good friend, my co-host, my superior in every way, Mr. Justin. Hey, I really appreciate that. Um, I don't feel like I'm your superior, but... You have always been my superior. Well, I was your superior at one point. Yeah. Well, yeah. You're the boss of me. You're taller than me. You're better looking than me. Oh, wow. <laughs> Showering me. I, I will take yeah. the taller than you, Bart. Yeah, I, I can agree with you that. You have more for... hair than me. <laughs> and that's, I don't know what to think about that because my hair is thinning. Yeah. Well, I guess it's not too hard to have more hair than me. Yeah, you I don't set, have a lot of hair. I set the bar real low. Yes, you do. Yeah. So tonight, our movie is going to be the Beatles' second film, mm -hmm. Help. Yep, it is an excellent follow-up. <laughs> uh, you know, the thing about this movie mm -hmm. is if you've seen it or if you haven't, you've got to understand it for what it is. Yeah. Um, it is not, you know, an eloquent dramatic masterpiece and no. and it was never meant to be either yeah. it, it it's exactly this the slapstick humor it's supposed to be and it yeah th it, this is monty python well it is yeah this is a monty python starring the beatles and in fact you know a lot of things i've read about it and i made some notes of these but mm -hmm. a lot of people especially now look at the film more you know they look back at it and see it as a better film than it actually was received at initially, even though it, yeah. it was received with, you know, I would say mixed reviews, but overall good reviews. Yeah. Um, but a lot of these people now say, you know, films like airplane, mm -hmm. the airplane films wouldn't yeah. have been filmed without this. No, for sure. Because this was, you know, this is the kind of humor that you get, you know, airplane. And yeah. then later on with the naked guns and those kind of uh -huh. movies that, that's, and this time brought to you, in color yes brought to you in color <laughs> unlike a hard day's night yeah. now starting off i will say that you know hard day's night is one of my favorite films mm -hmm. and there's kind of an innocence to the beatles in it yeah. uh this one being their second film is a little bit different obviously because Hard day's night is in black and white this mm -hmm. is in color like you said yeah but i like them both equally in different ways the the one thing that i think that help is missing is there's not nearly enough of paul mccartney's granddad in it. i was gonna say you probably want paul's grandpa i really miss his grandpa in this movie well he is the black and white generation so yeah. he couldn't make it to the color film and it seems like they've replaced the character of paul mccartney's granddad with about a dozen other side characters yeah there's there's a lot of characters in here uh mm -hmm. some fairly famous ones oh yeah well, you know, as far as British, yeah, it's, it's a star-studded cast. Yeah, I was uh, I was looking. Uh, Ray Kinnear, he is uh, mm -hmm. one of the scientists, kind okay. of the sidekick scientist. He was he played um, Henry uh, Salt. Henry Salt in uh, Willy Wonka yeah. and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, yeah. Veruca Salt's dad. That's right. Yeah, mm -hmm. it, you know, and it took me. I've seen both movies. Obviously, help a number of times. I've seen Willy Wonka a number of times, mm -hmm. and I always thought, where where do I know this guy from? And I, I had never put yeah. those two together. He, he pops up all over the place in um, 1960s to 70s era movies, um, especially British Yeah, movies. British movies. Yeah. And you've got Victor Spinetti as well. He yeah. plays the other scientist in this film. And if you can remember, he's the TV producer in he, A Hard Day's Night. Yeah, and he, he's definitely the mad scientist in this. He's There's no way that he's not mad, right? No, that's correct, <laughs> but... Yeah, I mean, he's the one with the furry shirt. Yeah, he, he's TV. missing his furry shirt in this one. There's no pube shirt. No, no pube shirt, yeah. but but he is in this one. And uh, anyways, yeah. if he, you... he switched it for a lap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, we want to get on with the film. Obviously, this was the Beatles' second hmm. movie. Um, I don't know if you know it was originally titled something different. No, what was the original title? Eight Arms to Hold You. Eight arms to hold. I like that. Yeah, it was it was kind of the working title for a while, and uh, it doesn't fit this movie near as well as the has helped though. No, and I mean that's all centered around obviously the 
the main song and the mm-hmm. album and everything yeah. like that. And but also, it's kind of the theme of the movie because um, the uh, Ringo Starr, yeah, is uh, really the star of this film. Exactly, specifically the ring on Ringo's finger. Yeah, and uh, he needs help because a lot of people are out to get him for this ring. Yeah, they they are, and yeah. <laughs> it's interesting the things that happen along the way. You know, I mean, yeah. it's just your. I don't know. I just love the dry slapstick humor mm-hmm. in this thing. I, I love it and I catch yeah. it. And <laughs> to me, those, there are certain things I still to this day, after seeing it a number of times, don't understand some of the British slang. Yeah. Um, they, they do mix a, well, and there's a, a little bit of a, what period type slang. Yeah. Well, well. That, that's, that's the other thing, you know, you've got the slang, but then the yeah. period slang mm-hmm. sometimes like is... far out and groovy and things like that, that we would associate with like the sixties era from our continent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so this film pr- premiered in London on mm-hmm. July 29th of 1965. It didn't premiere in the U S until August 25th of 1965 oh. um it actually seen better reviews in the united states than it did in england funny well, enough that's because the americans are nuts we're, we're kind of crazy people yes we are yeah we i'm beatlemania explained it all it did. we go nuts just because we like going nuts well so the other thing too is this was um directed by richard lester the the same same guy that uh, directed A Hard Day's Night. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the the funny thing about this, um, the Beatles, especially John Lennon, basically said they didn't enjoy filming this. Really? And they didn't enjoy the film when it was finished. Um, now, that was kind of directly after. Okay. And years later, they looked back on it differently. All of them looked back on it differently and sure. really enjoyed the film. Yeah. So. You know, I think a lot of that is to do with their busy, you know, schedule because they were still touring. They Mm -hmm. were still recording music. They were still doing all that stuff. And so to stick this right in the middle of it, I think was pretty tough. Yeah. I I do know that um, they didn't have as much. um, I think it was John Lennon quoted as saying that he felt like they were extras in a Beatles film. You know, they didn't have as as much direction to do what they wanted as they did in a hard day's night, Mm -hmm. Um, which is kind of a, you know, antithesis of their career. You know, I mean, when they got into the studio later, they, they fully were aware that they wanted to be in control of their material, their recording sessions, everything like that, instead of being told what to do and things like that. And that's Mm kind of how I think that naturally happens with artists, you know, as they, become more popular and more well-renowned, you know? Oh, let's see who there's a famous quote. And I think it's, uh, Elvis Presley that, uh, give me that cake. Probably. No, he, he said, uh, like, uh, he got into an argument with like a music producer and he said, Hey, which one of us is Elvis? You know, yeah, that's kind of a thing. I don't know the <laughs> quote, but that makes, yeah. Yeah. I it's mean, that makes perfect right. sense. I mean, you know, George Martin, you know, yeah. famously produced, all the Beatles music and he had a lot to do with every album from start to finish. But mm-hmm. I think when it got in the second half of their recording career, there was a lot more of the Beatles saying, no, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. You know, you hit the record button and we're going to do this, you know, well, you sure. I mean, when, and a lot of that comes with maturity because as, as youth, they're, they're wanting to make it big, but they don't necessarily know how, so they're looking for someone to guide them, someone older with more experience. But then once they find their groove and they find their thing, they don't want that direction given to them anymore. Yeah, exactly. You want, I mean, you've hit it big, right? And, yeah. and you want to control your destiny here on out. You know, mm-hmm. you've done this. It's kind of like Paul McCartney now. You know, I think mm-hmm. Paul McCartney, he's still making albums, but I think he wants to have a number one hit again. But at the same time, I think he's making the music he wants to make yeah not the music that he knows is going to be a number one you know mm-hmm. and i you know he's an 80 year old man too yeah. how how connected is he with true you know with society and I, stuff it's hard to say but yeah. i think really since the the mid 80s mm-hmm. he's he's went into the studio and made the music that he wants to make mm-hmm. you know because yeah. he's got a lot of devoted fans he's going to make the mm-hmm. money yeah and he doesn't need anything more than that. So it's different where I think when you got 
the early Beatles, especially during this time with help, they knew the formula, you know, you need to write a hit song. And so they would come up with a song with a good hook and a good, you know, chorus and go after that. And they knew it would make a hit song, not just a song they, yeah. they enjoyed making, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But a lot of times that goes hand in hand as well. True. So anyways, Help was filmed uh, mostly in London. Mm-hmm. They went to the Austrian Alps <laughs> and they even visited the Bahamas. Yes, they did. Um, you know, and the one thing about this movie is even Dick Lester, the director and all the Beatles all have said this was a very, very heavy marijuana laced <laughs> movie filming. I, I can see that. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, uh, I believe it was George. It might've been Paul in the Beatles anthology that said, I don't know if you remember the one, uh, scene in the film when they're doing the curling out on the ice. Oh, yeah. I guess when that bomb went off, he said they had, you know, they just ran for like four (laughs) miles. And then finally, when they felt they were safe, they sat down and had a joint, you know, Uh so they, they, they pretty much were stoned the whole filming process. I I believe that. Which I don't (laughs) think took away from any of it. Oh no, this is not, um, uh, Cheech and Chong or half baked. Um, you know, this is something where, you can watch it and still uh, enjoy it. It's not um, just a, a stoner movie. No, in fact, it's not yeah. even a stoner not, not movie. Not a stoner movie really. at all. I, right. I, I wouldn't think anybody at the time would be watching it thinking, oh, these guys are all high. They're all high on marijuana. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, <laughs> I don't approve. On the silly leaf. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Uh, but on the silliness level. Well, on the silliness, it, let's see, on a scale of one to 10, this thing's coming in about a 64. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's pretty damn close. Yeah. Pretty damn close. So, I mean, the main plot of the movie is simply this. There's a sacrificial ring, right? Yeah. The, and another thing, there's a lot of Indian characters in this who are uh, spo- who are tied to this Indian cult. Mm-hmm. Not... A single one of them is an Indian actor, though. <laughs> they're no, all they're, all, they're all British people, yeah. British actors. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of Indian people in England, so <laughs> well, they must not have thought they were ready for filming. And, and I, I think that's part of the humor of it. Is like, okay, we're gonna have an entire like. I mean, there's more Indians than anybody in the world, right? Except yeah. maybe Chinese. Yeah. yeah, I mean, second most is there's Indians, and they. <laughs> You didn't have a single Indian person in this. Well, but I think I think you're right. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of the the charm of it is, yeah. and probably part of the humor is the kind of British laden Indian mm-hmm. accent, you know, oh, that yeah. they they put across <laughs> through the cult. You know, uh, yeah. Clang is their leader. That's right. You know the film. The film. Another famous actor. Yes, mm-hmm. and I can't remember his name. Um, I, I can't remember his name either. I've seen him. He's in Candleshoe and yes, like a, yeah, a couple other. Disney movies. But you know, it, it basically opens up with them. They're going to sacrifice someone and yeah. come to find out she doesn't have the sacrificial ring on. She's all painted red. Yeah. She's she painted red. Sacrificial ring. This she, is a problem. Yeah. She apparently is given that ring to Ringo because she's a fan of the Beatles and Ringo, right? Yeah. And so it, it kind of, it's kind of interesting, but they, they see the Beatles on TV. They see Ringo mm-hmm. has the ring. And so they're off, right? Yeah. To mm-hmm. get, to get Ringo. Yeah. Um, I, I'm surprised that the chanting in this scene sounds very Catholic. <laughs> well, and yet it, it, it's supposed to be this Indian cult, right? It's close enough, Tyler. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm on board. But Chang, he is the leader of this cult. Mm-hmm. And it, it's really interesting because the lady helping him, supposedly helping him, yeah. is the sister of the one they were going to sacrifice. Oh, really? Yeah. That's right. Yes. Okay. And I thought you were going to say it's the sister of Ringo or something like. <laughs> she could be. She could, could be. be. You never much. know. Yeah. She does end up helping the Beatles, though, mm-hmm. funny enough. Now, yeah. what do you think about their little flat? Don't you like how they oh. all go in? They've all got four <laughs> separate doors. Yeah. So you have a, a what's in Britain called a row house, where mm-hmm. you have a whole bunch of townhouses right next to each other, built wall to wall. Yeah. And they each have their own uh, specifically colored front door. There's like a blue, a red, a green, and a white, I believe. Yeah. And uh, they each go into their their flat, 
and on the inside there's no walls. Yeah, it's just all opened up. <laughs> and you get and, and you gotta love uh, John Lennon's bed in the floor. Oh yeah, the sunken bed. Yeah, I I mm-hmm. love that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know they've got vending machines uh-huh. in there. Um, in fact, there is one point where. Ringo sticks his hand in the vending machine. He's and... trying to get a sandwich. The guy's just hungry, right? <laughs> yeah. And someone tries to take his ring. Yeah. But... Turns out it's the sister of the sacrificial victim that the whole thing was thwarted. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's it's really interesting. There's some really cool things that happen in this. Like, I, I love when uh, they wake, you know, Ringo ends up on the floor. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I it, it's just funny because it I don't know how to explain it but just all they're talking in there and I've listened to it a million times and I've sat there and watched it you know with uh the captions up mm-hmm. and I still don't catch all of it. Oh, it's impossible to catch all of it. There's they're very fast talking people. Yeah, it's really really interesting. So yeah. so they wake him up by uh let's see Ringo's having a uh he gets kicked out of bed. Well, he's sleeping in bed upside down and in yeah. this arm reaches in and grabs yeah. well, it's like a kind of one of those cupboard grabber things yeah. <laughs> to grab the ring and it basically pulls him. Yeah, pulls out him of out of the bed. Yeah. And uh that wakes uh Paul McCartney up and Paul goes through their morning uh, wake up ritual, mm-hmm. which is, involves uh picking up the the phone dialing a number and i know it's no this England, is john that does this oh john does this. Okay. yeah in fact at first ringo's on the floor next to john's bed and, right. and john asks him you know what are you yeah. doing on the floor and he says i'm tired yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he does go through the re- yeah, ritual john, of, that's right john goes through the ritual he rings every one of yeah. them that are within 10 feet of him yeah they're all within 10 feet of each other he cu- dials a lot of numbers on a rotary phone all the phones in the room go off. <laughs> they, they all w- answer. They wake. They an- they wake yeah. up and answer. He puts it up to the alarm clock. The alarm the clock, clock goes, goes off. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, it's it's so silly. Yeah, I mean it. I don't even know how to explain it, but it's it, just silly. Yeah, that that uh, sets the tone for the wild ride that we're about to embark on. Yeah. And of course this whole time, you know, the cult and Clang they're after mm-hmm. Ringo for the ring. Right. Yeah. Which they do eventually, you know, quickly find out that the ring won't come off. Yeah. You know, it's stuck. Yeah. Ringo would gladly give it up. Yeah. Right. He doesn't but, want it. No. And that, and that kind of puts them on a path to mm-hmm. trying to get the ring off. Mm-hmm. Right. They, they try a couple things. Yeah. Obviously, they go to the jeweler. Mm-hmm. Jeweler. Yes, the jewelers. Jewelers. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, you know, he can't get it off with a little file. And then yeah. he tries a, you know, a big old uh, cutoff wheel, which mm-hmm. in part Break, breaks. breaks the cutoff wheel. Yeah. Yeah. And John obviously <clears throat> tells the jeweler he's kind of a piece of shit, basically. Essentially. Which, I mean, I'm I'm with John on this. So am I. What a kind jeweler, of jeweler are you? Why can't I say jeweler? A jeweler Ju- that can't get a ring off. Tell me how to say jewel. Jewel or jewel. Jeweler. Jeweler. Jewelry. Jeweler. I can't even say jewelry. Jewelry. Jeweler. Jewelry comes from the jeweler. 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 That sounds better, doesn't it? Jeweler. So the jeweler. Jeweler. The jeweler tries to get Anyone? off. Jeweler. Jeweler. No, wrong, <laughs> wrong movie. Oh, sorry. We haven't even come close to covering that one yet. Uh, there's plenty of Beatles in that movie, too. Is there? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Um, let's see. What's his name? Does uh, Sings Shake It. Uh, yeah. yeah. Twist and Shout. Twist and Shout. Yeah. In the, in the uh, parade scene. Yes. Matthew Broderick. I was... Uh, what's the other kid's name? Anyways, we're way Eric off topic here. Other. Yeah, we're way off topic on this. Okay. So, they end up you know, we're not going in any particular order here, but there's so many funny scenes. Like <laughs> we will be jumping around. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't expect chronologically because uh, chronologically is not important in this movie. <laughs> no, you know, like one of my favorite scenes too, and this is the kind of humor I love, is when Ringo's mailing a letter and he goes to mail a letter, puts his hand in the yeah. mailbox, and you know, obviously, Clang is in there and grabs his hand, and yeah. Ringo's trying hard to pull it out, and John asks him, "What are you doing?" He says, mail in a letter. Yeah. 
yeah <laughs> like no big deal <laughs> exactly <laughs> and then once they get away the post office box mm-hmm. well mailbox well, and i guess stands we, up and walks away i don't think we've really described this ring have we no it's a ring pop yeah I, with it, a i mean it's a ridiculous like a cherry big red big red cherry yeah, ring pop that's right yeah <laughs> i mean that's how i got his name ringo right yeah for sure come on yeah yet there's just so many scenes in it that are i mean it's comically big this thing is huge oh yeah yeah he's, he's just walking like, around with a golf ball on his hand it's kind of like ringo's yeah. nose yeah it really is i mean in fact i think it does take away from his nose yeah which is so helpful. paul's granddad would have been pleased Oh, yeah. Paul's granddad would have loved it. He would have had plans for that ring. But I'm sure Paul's granddad would have somehow made a deal with the Colt for the ring. Oh, sure. You know, that there's a couple... There's a... Everybody had plans for this ring. Oh, yeah. Everybody did. And they do visit these mad scientists, which we spoke about before. Because if you're going to get a ring off, you need to go to a scientist. If you can't get a jeweler to take the ring off, you got to go to a scientist. Yeah. And that's where we see... Um, Roy Kinnear and Victor Spinetti, you yep. know, who we spoke about at first. They're the two mad scientists. I think they try and shrink Ringo. They do. Uh, which doesn't seem to work, does no, it? No, because of poor government funding. Yes, poor government funding. Yeah. But uh, Victor Spinetti, he finally decides, you know, by the time they're unsuccessful at getting this ring, mm-hmm. that he wants the ring. Yeah, because he, he can rule the, world. rule the world. Yeah. And that's really what it's about is world domination. It is. And I, I don't know if I understand that because I, you know, on that's one what hand, his whole thing, he became a scientist because he wants to rule the world. Yeah, well, exactly. But the thing I don't get about the ring is you've got, you know, it's the sacrificial ring to the mm-hmm. cult, right? Yeah. He who wears the ring ends up getting painted red. Yeah. And sacrificed, right? And Ringo gets painted red several times in this movie. <laughs> he does. And the thing is about it, though, is why is that important to the scientist? <laughs> I, I never understood what it is he's going to do with the ring. Well, I think he figures that there's some sort of power that this ring has. He must. But it, uh, if there is a sort of power in this ring, it's never really explained or they don't tell you that that there's any power he just kind of assumes there is well exactly and isn't that the fun of the film anyways is that there doesn't need i mean we don't even know really why ringo's wearing the ring we Mm -hmm. know how he got it kind of and all this Mm -hmm. and that but there's the good point is the plot is plotless in in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. you know yeah, this is, like I said, very Monty Python. You can It's sketch comedy. It is, but mm-hmm. but similar to Hard Day's Night, too, they break mm-hmm. away with musical numbers off the album yeah. help as well. Frequently, yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. and, you know, and that's a good way of them promoting their music, right? Yeah. And that kind of gets into, you know, help the album was released mm-hmm. as a full album in the UK, but in the United States, it was only released as a soundtrack. Oh, and it does have different numbers on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has some film score music on it as well. So it is a complete, the United States help is completely different. I generally don't like the U.S. albums. Mm-hmm. But the one thing I can say about the U.S. help album, soundtrack album, released by United Artists, is that it does have, if you can see the help album here on the wall, it's them spelling out help with their arms, yeah, right? I believe that's in uh, semaphore. Sorry. Yes, correct. Mm-hmm. And just has a, it's a white background with a little mm-hmm. red help on there. Yeah. The, I'll have to show you later, but the American album help has a really nice, big, thick help spelled out in mm-hmm. red and yellow. And it's in a kind of a psychedelic font. And it, it that's the one thing I can say about their American album is that it does have a better cover. And, you know, to have some of that film score music on it is kind of nice to have as a side note as a Beatles completist like I am, right? Sure. Um, I don't listen to it often. That's all right. But I have it. But you have it because I have completist. to. Completist. Completist. Yeah. Yeah. See, I can't say jeweler. And I can't say completist. Even though we both said them. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. So what happens next, Tyler? Okay, so the, now we've uh, well. For some reason, the jeweler isn't uh, heading isn't after these guys now, but the mad scientist sure is. Yeah, in fact, he shows up with a a syringe. Oh yeah, to shrink Ringo. Yeah, and uh, he's uh, 
he's going to inject him with um what is it some sort of a jello parfait in a in a bottle that's kind of what it looks like yeah because yeah, it's in different layers yeah and it's in it's in a yeah. syringe that's about three inches in diameter <laughs> yeah, it, it's not huge. a small <laughs> syringe no it, it takes a lot of serum to shrink ringo but this does get bumped out of his hand mm-hmm. and the syringe lands squarely on paul oh poor paul and then the plunger just goes straight in and yeah yeah know. and the next thing you, yeah I've, I've never seen a plunger like that it just falls no. down on the plunger yeah administers all and poor paul i mean he's just oh no what am i gonna do now yeah and then all of a sudden all you see is a suit there and paul's down there covering himself with a what was he covered was it a matchbook uh yeah that's something like that i mean it's oh no it was a gum wrapper yeah it was a gum wrapper but he uh but he gets inside an ashtray yeah (laughs) yeah yeah and he's having a good time because he's in this giant ashtray with i mean because he's so small yeah exactly with a gum wrapper trying to cover his naked ass um, yeah but when he does you know when all this comes past and all that's done mm-hmm. he, he somehow miraculously goes back to normal size right into his suit exactly and yeah. all he says is he's sticky yeah oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah uh-huh. and, well, and it, this scene is uh this the stage for a, a big fight uh there's quite a struggle that yes. goes on between um the uh the mad scientist and uh the indian cult clang clang the several of them yeah several <laughs> yeah. of clang and his members yeah, clang yes. and his members are in there um also the uh sister uh who's helping the beatles out and they find out that john lennon's quite scrappy yeah, yeah. he is he 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 takes him to task and he you know ha- he hands him out ringo well he doesn't really get as involved as uh, say George and John do, and meanwhile you've got Paul, who's an inch tall and trying to keep from getting squished. Yeah, I, I like how he's yeah. an inch tall and he's down there kind of punching. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, you, way to help Paul. Yeah, he's in the fight, but Ringo is just you know he's kind of wandering about aloof as to what's going on. He does get painted red. He does. He did get painted red. Yes, in the he does get painted red. Yeah, yeah. And, and this is the last, and then I think we break off into a singing number at some point. Yeah. There. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> yeah, it, in fact, it's one of my favorite songs. I love, you've got to hide your love away. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing song. Um, and you've got Eva Braun who plays, I'm trying to think of her name in the film. Um, it's like on mm-hmm. her. A, it's like a H a N or something like that. On. Yeah. Something like mm-hmm. that. But you know, we don't need to get into the particulars of names because nobody mm-hmm. cares. There's yeah. only four names we need to know. Right. John, Paul, George, most importantly, Ringo. Ringo. And if you if you forget, just remember, he's the one wearing the ring. Do you ever find it kind of funny that, um, you know, help in a lot of ways is similar to Hard Day's Night in that because Ringo kind of becomes the central character as yeah. you get later <laughs> in there. And remember when he got basically lost yeah you know and paul's oh, grandpa went went for a walk him. yeah yeah <laughs> same type of thing here you know yeah other than you know he's not really lost but it, it is funny to see the other beatles as all these attempts are thwarted essentially mm-hmm. but they keep coming after him they're getting a little worried yeah and so they try to talk ringo into just giving him his finger you can cut your yeah. finger you can do without a finger exactly you know it's like you know, can try holding drums without your <laughs> that one finger there. <laughs> yeah, it, it's really funny, but mm-hmm. you know, a little side note when you're saying John uh, was scrappy, you know, yeah. in real life, mm-hmm. um, you know, you look at him in his later years and he was really skinny and yeah. uh, lanky and all that. But back in Liverpool as a youth, he was a pretty scrappy kid and got yeah. in a lot of little fights mm-hmm. and stuff. And he was he was the one even when the Beatles formed that. They didn't want to mess with him or he'd thump them. He, yeah. he was kind of the hoodlum of mm-hmm. the group. Yeah. Funny enough. So the, the guy's uh, seen a couple street fights. It's pretty clear. Yeah. So, but I think it's time to take our first break and we'll be back in a minute yep. with more help. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more platforms. 
You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download this free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, listener, this is Ty from About What Podcast. If you've been listening to us, you know that Justin is a huge car enthusiast. Maybe you yourself are a huge car enthusiast. Maybe you've just purchased yourself a brand new Trans Am that you want to get all fixed up. Or maybe you've got yourself an old Chevelle, uh, maybe an old Chevy pickup that needs to restoration. Whatever it is that you've got, why don't you head over to joltparts.com. That's Justin's website. See what uh, parts he's got for your restoration, modification, customization. He's into all kinds of stuff. And if you are a listener to this podcast, and I'm assuming you are if you're hearing this, um, you get an offer of 10% off any purchase of $100 or more at checkout. Just use the promo code about what. That's all one, uh, lowercase letters about what. And Justin will give you 10% off your first order of uh, parts from joltparts.com. So turn your clunker into a classic and uh, fix up your brand new Trans Am. Um, GM, uh, Pontiac, Mopar, Chrysler, uh, whatever it is you got. Go take a look. Okay, are you ready for a little bit more of uh, help? I am. In fact, I kind of want to watch it again because, you know, like I was telling you before, I've seen it so many times. Mm -hmm. But we sit down here face to face and I forget all the little parts about mm -hmm. it that... Well, you know, I want to talk about. You know, you could watch it again if uh, your co-host uh, wasn't a, such an idiot and forgot to bring your DVD back. See, I this. Uh, Do you remember the one thing I told you when I give it to you? Don't forget to bring it back. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I'm such an idiot. As a Beatle completist and all that, I I I yeah. feel incomplete, incomplete, yeah. incomplete. Uh, I mean, incomplete is correct, but well, but as far as a completest you know, sense of music and movies yeah. and stuff, wouldn't incomplete? Would yeah. yeah, I feel like shit that you still have my movie. I don't. I, I feel bad about it too. Because in fact, uh, should we stop the recording right now so you can so drive I can home? drive home again? Because <laughs> yeah. I almost did. I uh, re I remembered <laughs> this about uh, what Second South. <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, I forgot to bring his movie back. To that's him. okay. As long so, as you bring it back to me soon. I might drive home tonight and bring it back tonight. I might yeah. bring it back tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow, tomorrow or next week will yeah. be fine. Oh, crap, next week. That's a pre that's a precious thing. And uh, let me tell you, it's rare. It's it's hard to find this movie because it's not on, available on any streaming services right you, now. You can purchase it on Apple if you like, but that's uh -huh. about the only, where it's, yeah. the only place it's available. I have heard that they're completely restoring it. Yep. And I think that's exactly why it's not available. Yeah, they're they're going to re-release it. I think with uh, I don't know if they're planning on a 50th anniversary in 2025. Which 2025 that sounds like forever so away. They're, they're going to two years of streaming services for three more years or two more years. Two more years. Yeah. Well, and of course, if they're releasing it for a 50th anniversary and. That'd be a 60th anniversary, by the way. Yeah. My math is off a little bit there. Yeah, they're a little late for 50th, aren't they? Yeah, if they're releasing it for a 60th, they'd probably release it in 2024. Yeah. You know, so who knows? Mm -hmm. uh, and, of course, if they do release a brand-new version, 60th anniversary, all cleaned up and refreshed, uh, poor old Justin, the completist, will purchase it, even though he doesn't want it or need it. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, I take that back. Doesn't need it. Oh, you need it. Well, I don't think I need it. I want it. You, well, it's kind of like the you, the current copy that's sitting at home inside my DVD player. Yes. You, you want it, and you need it. So let me ask you this before we continue on with the review. What did your wife think, or did she watch any of it? <laughs> uh, she watched it with me. Um, this is definitely a you movie and not a her movie. <laughs> well, okay. Is it a you movie? Yeah. Oh, this is... This is very much a me movie. So your wife, is she not really into, say, Monty Python oh, and Airplane and those kind of movies? Yeah. Let's see. When it comes to comedies, my wife isn't too big into romantic comedies. Well, um, which but, but this she, certainly isn't. Yeah. But she, no, this is not a romantic comedy. Um, 
but the let's see, she's not real big into certain British comedies either, and the, yeah. this would fall under that things like Mr. Bean or Monty Python. Yeah, I'm not big into Mr. Bean at all. Uh-huh. I I don't find that yeah. you know, she, and she she likes comedy movies, but um, you know, let's see, what, what, maybe like. Uh, I'm drawing a blank here. Uh, let's see. Stepford Wives is uh, yeah, and I I think you know I'm obviously kind of a, a little comedy that one a little. Did you say whore? Yeah. Well, I mean that's kind of the the theme of Stepford Wives. Yeah. The, true. The whore uh, wife. You know, I'm I'm obviously biased because if this didn't have the Beatles in it, it probably wouldn't have the same range for me because it, it has I the guess, music and, yeah and if you changed like out the beatles for the monty python troupe and had like john cleese and eric idol in there then yeah yeah uh instead of ringo star and paul mccartney yeah it would be a although i, I think it would be the same movie it would it be the same movie. Have the beatles in it. yeah and the music adds a lot yeah. to it for me because that, i know that music so that, well but yeah even though this film was you know filmed in a haze of marijuana um, a lot of people now, film experts and things, consider this kind of the forerunner of music videos. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and it's funny they say that because I would say if they consider this that way, I think you would have to anoint a hard day's night as the same thing, right? I would think, yeah, exactly. Because uh, I don't see how a hard day's night is not a music video, especially when there's performance in it. Yeah, it's it's. Even though the two films are different, they are very similar in that way. You know, you have yeah. little breakout sections where they pick up their instruments and sing a song, right? Yeah. Um, there are quite a few parts in uh, Help where you hear, and in, in Hard Day's Night too, but where you hear Beatles songs in the background playing, you yeah. know. It, m- that happens more frequently in Help it than does, in Hard yeah. Day's Night. A hard Day's Night is a little bit more upfront in your face. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but there, there's a lot more Beatles uh, soundtrack in the background of Help. Yeah, you know, one of my favorite quotes in this film mm-hmm. is... <laughs> this is a quotable film, by the way. Oh, it <laughs> is. Quotable. Just like, you know, when John asked Ringo, what was it first attracted you to me? Yeah. <laughs> and he says, well, you're quite polite, aren't you? Yeah, <laughs> and I've always thought that was funny. I, I don't, I don't know why it's so silly, it's so stupid, but it's a sort of the question that a uh, husband would ask a wife, or a wife, more probably more the wife would ask her husband. Yeah, exactly. And uh, yet his uh, his response is so accurate because, okay, there's kind of this this running gag, and I think that's you know that Ringo has got to be very secure with himself in order to play so much on this. But he was the last one to join the Beatles. And he joined, like, right before they recorded their al- their first album. Correct, yeah. yeah. So that's kind of, like, this whole thing. So now they're, they're, the honeymoon of the Beatles is over, and so now uh, Ringo's like, well, John, you're the one that got this whole band together. What is it that first attracted you to me? And they've made jokes like, you know, so do you think Ringo's the best drummer in the world? Well, no, Ringo's, Ringo's not even the best drummer in the Beatles, right? <laughs> you, you know, they, that's a famous quote that um, people have said, claiming that Paul was a better uh, drummer, which it's actually been proven that was a false quote, and it was never said. Oh, but really? it is still quite funny to talk about. Yeah, it's a hilarious quote. <laughs> yeah. You know, another quote of Ringo's I, I had written down that I – really liked in this is where he said they have to paint me red before they chop me he says it's a different religion from ours i think yeah <laughs> just, just the i think yeah yeah i think uh-huh. yeah because that's pretty common right oh yeah human sacrifice involving painting the, the victim red first yeah after he has the ring on that he can't remove yeah which the uh the the ring goes from person to person. So each day there's a different victim. Yeah. And the victim for the day gets to wear this ring. That's kind of the prize, but they know that at the end of the day, the cost of wearing the ring is you get to, or you have, you get to be the sacrifice. Uh, is it an opportunity? Cause that's kind of how they paint it. Like, uh, Oh, this is, 
yeah, they, they eagerly look forward to being the sacrifice, right? Yeah, I don't know those. Well, that, once again, that's clang. Yeah, those those yeah. British Indians are really hard to understand. They are, and especially I, I don't, since they're trying to do a fake Indian accent. Well, and I don't mean understand as far as their language. I just mean their intentions, right? True. These guys, their thought process is a little different than the average sane human being. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Yeah. So, you know, getting back to the film, you know, they're obviously chasing Ringo all over the place trying mm-hmm. to get this. Um, he's in a pub yeah. and they're all getting beers there yeah. at the bar and mm-hmm. uh, Ringo goes to lift his and it's actually a switch to oh, release the trap door he's that's standing right. on. Mm-hmm. And he falls down in a pit yeah. with... Clang has some very elaborate um, stra- strategies that they've... Um, concocted on how to get this ring back and to trap Ringo. Well, exactly. And Ringo falls, you know, falls through this trap door down with a tiger. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah. there's another famous quote, you know, that the people uh, in the pub tell him, you know, you can sing him Beethoven's Ode to Joy, yeah. which will calm the tiger. And yeah. So, what are the words to Beethoven's Ode to Joy? I have no idea. I don't either. And yet, Every British person in this movie knows the and the original because it's Beethoven's German, right? Yeah, correct. He speaks he sprechens Deutsch. He does not sing this in English. I took Deutsch two years in a row. Did you understand it? I did a little bit at the time, but I don't uh-huh. remember any of it. Okay. I, I do like John's comment on this. He says, Of course, why didn't you think of that, you twit? Yeah. <laughs> you know, sing, singing Beethoven's Odin. <laughs> Oh, to joy to the tiger to calm him down. It's the ninth symphony, Beethoven's ninth, something like that. Yeah, yeah. they they call it. Yeah, sing his ode to joy. But you're right; they all sing it, and they all know it. And everybody, I mean, everybody knows the music, or the 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 tune, because when you hear it, it's do 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 do. Yeah, there's words to that. Everybody, it's all in German. That's right. Something like that. Something like that. That goes for me too. Right, right before, right before they do start singing, though, one of the funny parts is when Ringo tries to climb the ladder out. Yeah, and every time he steps on a rung, it breaks yeah. in half and, and, and then he holds it up and he's like oh yeah he turns to the camera <laughs> yeah. and says all the rungs on the ladder have been neatly sewn in half haven't yeah. they <laughs> <laughs> I, I like breaking that third wall there you know speaking straight yeah. to the audience oh, you yeah. know which is it actually for the time mm-hmm. was quite, quite a, a different yeah, yeah it just didn't happen right no and so and you see that in the Monty Python movies a little bit too, which yeah. are very interesting. You know? Well, that became kind of a running thing afterwards, uh, but you, yeah, you didn't really see it all that much beforehand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but you know they they end up chasing them, you know, to the Bahamas, to the like we had said, the Austrian Alps, mm-hmm. the the Bahamas. They they go through yeah. all kinds of things, right? Yeah, we're, the Austrian Alps where they do a lot of skiing. They do and. And that weed. And the weed, yeah. And then they do, uh, what, what, what's the kettle bowling that they do? Isn't it uh, essentially curling? Curling, that's what it's yes. called. Yeah, curling, yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't think they really understand what you're doing with a broom. But curling, basically, you take a big weight and th- slide it across ice and then... Um, the two people grab a broom and sweep in front of the the curling. What, what would you call this thing? This weight and a, uh, a kettle for is lack it, of a what, what is term. it called in curling? It uh, a, is it a stone? A curling stone? Curling stone? Sure, let's call it that. So, yeah, um, basically, it's got a smooth bottom that slides easily upon a slippery ice surface, and they sweep with a broom in front of it in order to get it to slow down at a proper rate yeah well i think the idea being you don't want it to go too far right you want to well i think i think there's two sides you can broom and then you can rough it up to slow it down right okay that makes sense yeah i'm guessing yeah so you can sweep it so it's cleaner or you can yeah, but anyways, one of them has a bomb on it, right? Yeah, and this is, once again, Kling 
in an elaborate uh, trick to get uh, Ringo's ring. And after it blows up, it leaves a big hole in the ice. It does. And a swimmer appears. Yeah. In a lake, right? Because this, yeah. this is all in an Austrian Alps lake. Correct. And uh, the swimmer <laughs> pops his head up and says, uh, excuse me, is which way to the White Cliffs of Dover? <laughs> yeah. And the Beatles point him the correct way. Yeah. Uh, funny enough, uh, this little cameo by the swimmer is a man named Mal Evans. Oh. He is uh, the Beatles' roadie. And he's with him quite a bit. In fact, if you've seen the new documentary on uh, Disney Plus, Get Back, uh-huh. he's in that quite a bit. Um, huh. I'd like to do an episode on him once. He was uh, very instrumental, not just their roadie, but helped him do a lot of things, even give some input on music. Mm-hmm. He ended up producing a little bit. Oh. And after the Beatles broke up, he was in California and he ended up kind of going crazy and getting shot by the cops. It's kind of a... Kind of a crazy story. Yeah, he's got an interesting story. Yeah, big big guy. Yeah. Big guy, like 6'3", six, 6'4", six, big guy, Mal I, Evans. I'll bet uh, Ringo wouldn't mind so much this guy messing around with his drum set. But, no, uh, he probably wouldn't care if Mal did. But Yeah. but, but uh, he, he was yeah. kind of a gentle giant, right? Mm-hmm. But he did eventually he have pro- some... I'm sure he'd let Ringo wear his headphones, too. No, I'm sure he would. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, interesting. But... Um, you do see him again at the end of the movie as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite scenes is when they're in the tank. I, I like when the tank mm-hmm. uh, goes driving through the pile of straw. Yeah. And Clang blows the tank up, essentially. Right? Yeah. Okay. So they've commissioned the uh, British government mm-hmm. to protect the Beatles because, hey, they are a national treasure. Correct. And uh, so the military is guarding the Beatles with a tank. And they they do a musical performance because, hey, uh, while they're trying to keep themselves from getting blown up, um, you may as well pass the time with a, a concert or a song or something, right? Yeah, you know what, you know what strikes me funny about mm-hmm. the Beatles' movies and their music and, you know, everything from the 60s is there's a lot of mention of the Queen. Yeah. And... I think something that strikes me funny is when we talk about 60 years or whatever, that we're talking, this is the same queen. This is the exact same queen that just recently passed. Yeah. I mean that we, (laughs) yeah. I mean, everything about it that they sing about, that they talk about that's referenced. um, And she's only been on the throne for less than a decade. Yeah. It's kind of strange, but you know, the same queen that uh, give the Beatles their MBEs. Um, John Lennon returned his, of course. Um, I don't know if you ever saw that. He had a, a funny note. Uh, he returned his MBE medal that he got from the Queen, oh. saying that you know he's um, against this thing they've got going in Darfur and oh. some kind of conflict they've got going. And he also said, and also because my song uh, "Cold Turkey" is slipping in the charts, <laughs> <laughs> and that was his reason. For, I, I can't remember exactly how it's put. Mm-hmm. But it always blows me away when you see these 60s British uh, movies or even music or whatever it is, documentaries, and the Queen is referenced quite often. Yeah. And I think that's the same Queen we mm-hmm. were still watching on TV a few months ago, yeah. right? It's just crazy that that, that – just crazy to me. And, I mean, she was maybe 10 years older than the Beatles. Because she, you figure she was probably about their age when she took the throne. It was probably about fifteen years. Yeah. Yeah. What was she when she died? She was ninety six, yeah. I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul McCartney just turned eighty, so she was sixteen yeah, years so older than him. John, yeah. Le- I think Ringo's eighty two, and John Lennon would have been eighty one. So yeah. about fifteen years, mm-hmm. but so. still close. I mean, yeah. you know, they're they're, you know, at this point in their careers, they're about twenty three, twenty four. Mm-hmm. So she's still in her you know, 30s. late thirties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So kind of crazy. Yeah. But it's, it's a little nuts to think about. Yeah, yeah, it is. So anyways, go forward. Okay. So the uh, military is guarding the Beatles with mm-hmm. their, with tanks and machine guns and everything. Clang is out to get them. Um, they've got some clever tactics. They try tunneling underneath them to blow them up from beneath. Yes. But, uh, one of Clang's, uh, people who see for some reason she seems obviously uh to be thwarting their plans and sabotaging them from within and maybe that's just so obvious because 
we're watching her do it and we're we're let in on the secret. Yeah, Clang Clang isn't let in yeah, on the secret. He doesn't know that she's that she's sabotaging, but she does. And so they uh when they set off the charges to blow up the Beatles, um, it goes off what, fifty meters away from where they're supposed to be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the Beatles are safe, at which point they jump inside a tank in order to have some protection mm-hmm. while uh, a firefight ensues. Yeah, the, the tank almost gets them and they find out that it's mm-hmm. her yeah. in the tank mm-hmm. helping them. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then she invites them to join her in the tank, and they do. They and I, I bet John Lennon had his way with her in Absolutely. the tank. I'm Absolutely. guessing. Absolutely. Did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, just my thought. Yeah. I mean, as a rock star, why wouldn't you? She was a nice, pretty young lady at the sure. time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, machine gunning back and forth between the uh, between Clang and the British military, uh, while the Beatles are caught in the middle and uh, jump in the tank for protection, uh, the tank drives off and uh, comes across a, a hayfield with a big haystack in it. And mm-hmm. Clang decides he needs to take out the tank using a. Uh, rocket-propelled grenade. Yes. So they fire off a rocket-propelled grenade. It misses the tank, um, so they fire off another one, and uh, the tank heads off for cover through a haystack, and on the other side of the haystack, the tank gets hit with the RPG. Exactly, and they're all celebrating because they have killed the Beatles or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, Yeah. they're going to get Ringo's finger and get their ring back exactly it will be toast though it'll be burned yeah <laughs> but they have been thwarted because while the tank went through the haystack the beetles got out in the haystack yeah and that seems almost impossible but obviously we both seen it happen yeah it was home that that tank was really hauling through yeah. there but yeah they're okay they're okay they survived and Ringo still has his finger intact with the ring still attached. Mm-hmm. Which the other Beatles are still not very happy about that. They, yeah, they just want him to take it off and give it back to <laughs> yeah. him. And he's like, I would if I could get it off, but yeah, yeah. it's stuck it, on his finger. Get it off my finger. Yeah. So um, where do we go from here? I don't know. I think that's pretty much the movie. Um, yeah. I, I guess we go from here to the Bahamas. Well, because the Beatles need to take a vacation. Yeah, and... But that's pretty much the movie. Yeah. You know, you get the Bahamas and, you know, in real life when they're in the Bahamas, I heard it was very, very cold there. Oh, really? Because it was winter. <laughs> ah. And apparently they went there. Brian Epstein, their manager, decided to go there for tax reasons. Somehow mm-hmm. it helped them with money or whatever. And they did a couple performances, right, uh, for the film. Okay. Um, Paul was in shorts in one of them, and he says it was absolutely miserable. I'll bet he was. Um, but eventually, you know, in the Bahamas, Ringo's ring falls off yeah it comes off so you know hey so guess what he does he puts it on clang yeah <laughs> and clang can't get the ring off no, he can't because he's had the same problem that ringo's had yes he has yeah so uh and, and you know is it really ever explained why it fell off no and it doesn't have to be i wonder if that i wonder if it's just because it was so damn cold in the bahamas could be you would have thought it would have been pretty damn cold in the alps but yeah Apparently the Bahamas were really cold. Mm-hmm. His fingers shrunk up and the ring fell off. Yeah. Simple, and, right? And it's about this time that uh, we get the, the revisit from our uh, swimmer. Yes, yeah. correct. Who's yeah, still, Mal Evans. Yeah, Mal Evans, who's still looking for the White Cliffs of Dover. Yeah, he somehow made it all the way to the Bahamas. <laughs> from the Austrian Alps to the Bahamas. Which is, that's a swim. Yeah. And having missed the, uh, the coast of England entirely. Yeah, I. Yeah, it's not like he showed up in Devon. Yeah, that yeah. that's kind of, he's out of the way a little bit. Yeah, it's, but yeah. you mm-hmm. know, I mean, I guess that's the the magic of movies, yeah. correct? Yeah. He obviously went to Greenland and tur- turned left. And of course, at this time, it's when you know the title track starts playing. Yeah, you know, help mm-hmm. obviously is one of my favorite Beatles songs. I yeah. really like it. Um, and Cling seems to get that maybe pe- maybe people don't enjoy being sacrificed as that's what he's facing right that's what he's facing yeah we don't ever see it no but it 
kind of i mean that's kind of where the movie ends you know mm-hmm. there's dancing singing yeah how the beatles are it's happy, a beach party. you know beach yeah. party in the cold bahamas and mm-hmm. you know this movie in my opinion you know of course different than your wife's is well worth watching more than one time oh it is um I love what it's created. I love the slapstick humor in it. I love the dry humor. I love the British <laughs> Indian humor, whatever you want to yeah. call it. The fact that you've put the Beatles in the movie, the fact that you've got mm-hmm. their music in it, it, but it doesn't, it doesn't stream scream to me just like hard days night. Doesn't mm-hmm. it's not a musical no, in any way. It, it's a, it's a good comedic film mm-hmm. with a thin plot. Yeah. That has good music scenes in between right mm-hmm. but i i don't can you know some people said they're musicals they're not musicals no it, it's not done in that manner in my opinion no it's done in a way that's almost disney-ish or maybe butch cassidy and the sundance kid yeah that's a good comparison yeah the it, yeah the music is a good like background soundtrack to it and they perform the the songs in their entirety yeah but it's not, uh, yeah, it's not a rock opera. Oh, and I do want to add nothing against your wife for not liking it because my wife only doesn't like it. She thinks it's the stupidest film she's ever seen. That's fair. So, um, Mrs. Justin, you're okay. Uh, and I guess, doesn't listen to I guess that would make a hard day's night. The second (laughs) stupidest film she's ever seen. She, she doesn't have the patience and the understanding for it, but she does like the music. She loves the Beatles. So, well, you know, something bo- it really bothered me up until doing this uh, recording. Like after I watched it, like I thought they couldn't get a single Indian person and a single Indian actor to be one of these uh, guys. Because I mean, everybody as part of Clang's gang or cult, they're a British person playing an Indian, and I thought. You know, with the modern age, that would get them completely canceled immediately, right? Oh, yeah, it would. So my, yeah, my knee-jerk reaction is like, oh, this is really frustrating. And then I, I sat there and, and, you know, when we started talking about this, I realized, well, that's kind of the funny thing about it, is that you've got the Beatles making a joke about how you're, they're going to cast white people <laughs> instead um, when you have like a billion <laughs> Indian people and millions of them living in the British Isles, and I'm sure hundreds of thousands of actors, or you know at least thousands of yeah, actors to yeah. choose from, right? But they don't they don't pick them. <laughs> well, I'm, I I wonder how much that is done for comedic value and how much of it's done because of the times. You know, I mean, sure you don't see a lot of colored folks in these films yeah. either, right? Well, true, and we've got like. This is a time where you have Peter Sellers, who's playing every uh, kind of nationality known to man. Yeah, and and you know, of course, a lot of this is stemmed from the Beatles' love of Peter Sellers and the Goons show. Sure, they love that kind of comedy, and that's mm-hmm. where they brought into the Hard Day's Night and Help is their love of the Goons, you know, yeah. and Peter Sellers, and that's another cameo in the um, Get Back documentary mm-hmm. on uh, Disney Plus. Is Peter Sellers actually pays them a visit in the studio? Oh, for heaven's sake, I need to see this. It's it's kind of interesting, but you certainly have to be a diehard Beatles fan to watch Get mm-hmm. Back. It yeah, it's really interesting because it's eight hours of them in the studio, yeah. right? I mean, you hear the music, but you also hear a lot of the talk and banter, and you know, it, it's kind of interesting. You've heard the Beatles song Get Back. Paul's just noodling on his bass and he comes up with his song out of the crack of his ass. He's just playing it. Really? And it, it, it it's really interesting to watch as a huge Beatles fan like I am to watch how this wasn't a song he demoed and whatever. He's just sitting there noodling, right? Mm-hmm. And he's kind he of came up with it. And it just starts yeah. coming up and he keeps adding to it and changing it and changing it. And it's amazing the way he does it. And, I feel lucky, you know, the fact that my favorite band is 60 plus years old with the recordings they've done, you know, and that some of this footage still exists on this and had the forethought to do this, you know, because, you know, obviously we're taking turns picking films and I'm going to pick all the Beatles films at some point or another, you know, we've got Magical Mystery Tour, we've got Yellow Submarine, and we've even got Let It Be, Mm -hmm. which is 
far out of circulation now, but can still be watched on YouTube and, and whatnot. But it's, it's just really interesting to see that they put so much down that, you know, other bands weren't doing this kind of stuff. It wasn't done. They're not even doing it now. A lot of them, you know, so they have so much unreleased things for me as a fan is amazing, Mm -hmm. you know, because here we are, you know, the group's been broken up for 53 years. Yeah. And they're still releasing things that are unseen and unheard. It's really amazing to me that the Beatles, for the kind of stellar stardom they had, their rocket to fame, not not one of them is part of the 27 Club. Because usually, with, I mean, that's that's kind of pokes a big hole in that theory, right? That all of these, they sold their soul to the devil to live fast and die young. But these guys live fast. None of them died young. You're right. But if you look at the 27 Club, a lot of them were solo artists and things like that. Or, True. Or, you know, not so much as a group. But um, that's it for a review of Help. It's a great film. I suggest you see it. Um, if you're a I Beatles fan, if you're a comedy <laughs> fan, whatever, I give it 10 thumbs up. And <laughs> so catch us next time. You know, email us your suggestions at aboutwhatpod at gmail.com, aboutwhatpod on Instagram. And we'll be back soon with another episode of About What.